0: You're listening to Consolidate That. Ukraine is my motherland. It is now under a savage attack by Russia. Ukraine is shielding Europe and the rest of the civilized world from Putin's barbaric aggression. Ukrainians are brave and effectively fighting back. Let's help. Make a donation to armed forces of Ukraine. Link is in the show notes. Hashtag stand with Ukraine.
1: Welcome back to Consolidate That. Ivan, it's uh, good to see you. We're recording this on what some people call the most special day of the year, which is my birthday. Um, Oh, yeah. But, you know, everyone will be able to listen to this much later. So if you're listening to this now, don't send me a birthday wish because you already missed it. But uh, mark your calendars. Just send presents. Just presents. That's all. presents. Yeah, you don't have to send the wishes, just presents. Um, okay. But I'm excited. We've got a, we've got another wonderful guest from within one of our practices. So I'll I'll hand it over to you to, to introduce everyone, and uh, we'll go from there.
0: Thanks, Ryan. And you know, it's it's my daughter's birthday as well. And and you know how I remember it's my daughter's birthday. I know that when your birthday is, so then every time, I'm like, oh, this yeah. daughter, daughter, birthday, you got to take birthdays. it by That's the right. most
1: important people in life.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, that's how we do it. Uh, well, I'm very excited. So we have Sarah Dalton. Sarah is a dedicated and passionate professional in the pet industry with a particular interest in veterinary medicine. Her love for animals led her to her first job in the pet industry in Georgia, where she discovered her passion for this field. Sarah then moved to Virginia to be closer to her family and was given a chance to continue expanding her knowledge in Denville Family Vet, which is our one of our hospitals, and which I just visited last week. Sarah is committed to learning as much as she can about veterinary medicine and is always looking for ways to improve her skills and knowledge. She wrote an essay on compassion fatigue. Sarah, thank you for finding in time. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. So um, this is a topic that you're passionate about, and it's very interesting. Um, Can you tell us about your role in the hospital, and how did you come up with an idea to actually write an essay about compassion fatigue?
2: Um, So I am a customer service rep, so I'm front desk. I um, got the job at Danville Family Vet and started um, as the front desk, and my practice manager, Amy, she actually inspired me to go back to school. So I had not been in college, I graduated, I kind of pushed it off, I needed to work. And then just seeing Amy, I, I decided I wanted to do practice management. So I enrolled back in school. And one of the assignments was to write an essay on something that you're passionate about. And I asked around the hospital, I was I was super into it, um, learning everything. And my doctor, Dr. Smith, he actually brought up compassion fatigue. And so I started doing all this research
0: awesome so compassion fatigue or burnout there's there's two sort of terms sometimes that you use interchangeably why do you think from your angle when you're working with the clients uh, why do you think that veterinarians get into that state? And in fact, we just finished the the third year study where we compared the uh, the burnout between the different members of the team. Actually, managers um, are most burned out uh, according to our latest study. But all the groups of the veterinary team are actually exposed to it quite significantly. So from the customer angle, what do you think is important for them to know um, about the veterinary field and about this burnout phenomenon, if you will, uh, about our profession.
2: I think that a lot of it comes from the unknown. So there's a lot of behind the scenes in the industry that regular clients, everyday clients, they don't they don't know. Um, I personally didn't know until I got into the industry and I I lived it every day so when when these clients come in and they build their relationships and they're they're trusting their their doctors their techs their their front desk from the minute that they walk in that we're building these relationships and they're they're putting all of their all of their trust into us and it's up to us to to keep that trust and that can be a lot cuz compassion fatigue a lot is just giving all you can and not having anything left to give. So they come in, they have a, a sick pet or they they come in and they have a healthy pet and you have to go from each room and it's just, it's draining and they don't always realize it.
0: Do you think that uh, that uh, the general public knows or understands the the burnout? Because when I talk to people and when I tell them that I'm a veterinarian and when I mention the burnout... Um, people can't even understand that this is this is happening in the profession and they think well how can you burn out it's all about puppies and kittens and and happy place so why veterinarians burn out do you think that general public understands of the the magnitude of the problem and um and what do you hear from them when you're talking to them i don't
2: um i don't think that they that they realize i mean it, it starts with you know these these vets they go to school for however long, you know, it's years and years. And it starts from the beginning when you're trying to get into vet school, people can't even get into vet school. as easily now either. Um, and then they, they come into the, they start their practice. They start seeing patients and they're in debt. They work, you know, sometimes 50, 60 hour weeks. They're on, on call on the weekends. They're, they're tired. You know, they're seeing, they're doing surgeries and it's just a whole side that people, people don't see. They don't know that we're working, 12 hour days and they don't they don't know
1: i first off, i I think it's pretty cool that we're getting this from from your angle sarah because you know i it's one of the big things that within galaxy vets we're sort of always pushing and, and discussing is you know let's talk beyond just the idea of just the doctors or just the technicians but everyone within the clinic and i think um it's nice to hear your view on it because i think unfortunately it's kind of a a slice of the practice that might be overlooked in some situations when people think of going to CE and, oh, who are we going to bring treats to? And how are we going to prevent burnout? So I I really appreciate you taking the time to look into it. Um, What are some of the actual strategies that you think can be brought into the clinic to be able to prevent, prevent the compassion fatigue?
2: I think the biggest thing is 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 self-care. It's definitely the education and helping um, clients know the behind the scenes, but having the self-care is super important. And I think Galaxy Vets does a great job at doing that as well, because a lot of that is not just going home and taking a shower, but it can be something as little as that. But it's also, you know, taking your vacation days and, and Galaxy Vets does a great job, at in my opinion, in eliminating burnout or at least slowing compassion fatigue slowing all of the the hardships because that's a big thing that we don't get to do you know people are worried that they they can't they can't take their days they're going to get in trouble they they um they can't afford to go on vacation you know so galaxy vets does a great job it it's beautiful
0: yeah thank you and and the the one aspect that we recently brought up in in our in our uh, burnout um, survey was about the euthanasia, and it was interesting because I thought that the euthanasia as a procedure itself can bring a lot of. You know burnout and and grief to the veterinarians themselves especially when i see new grads and how they're emotional about the euthanasia and uh, we included that into our study this year and what we found with, which was very surprising result that the euthanasia itself is not actually influencing the higher rate of burnout but the economic euthanasia has a significant spike in how much it's correlating with the burnout and by economic euthanasia i mean the uh the instances in which the client cannot afford the treatment to something that is not a terminal disease but then they cannot afford the treatment which if they don't do the pet would essentially. Die or be suffering, so they elect to put down the pet. And I think we're the only profession that. Well, I don't think I know we're the only profession that can technically kill their patient if they can't fix it because of the money reasons. Do you? I, sorry to be so crude about it, but but it is true. So, do you think that and and that is has significant impact on the entire team? And do you think that 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 finding is is something that you can resonate with?
2: I actually have come home crying multiple times for situations like that. Even recently, um, there was, you know, this pet that he was just a puppy and the owner couldn't couldn't afford it and couldn't afford the treatment. And so this puppy that could have been healthy otherwise with, you know, a surgery or, you know, just some treatment had to be euthanized. And it's it's so sad because, you know, I think that's the part of client education too, is that when people get these pets, they don't realize that it's it's specialized care. It's just like having a kid. You know, you've got your your yearly appointments for vaccines and, and your sick visits and, and you've got to be financially able and things like care credit and stuff like that, it helps, but it doesn't cover all of it. It's a very expensive industry. And I think that's when it starts switching to, because they can't afford it and there's got to be somebody to blame for it, you know? So then they, they, that, that trust and that relationship can easily turn and that creates compassion fatigue and burnout on the doctors and the staff as well. And you've got your, you know, your customer service reps that have to go into this room where they're already sad, they're already upset that they can't afford it. And I have to go in there and ask them for money, you know, and it's, it's hard.
0: Yeah. It is a difficult situation. And, you know, it reminds me how I ended up with a, with a Chihuahua. Um, not necessarily my favorite breed to a certain point, but uh, I had uh, I had a client that came in with a fractured elbow on the little tiny Chihuahua. She was one kilogram uh, weight, so just uh, a little over two pounds. And it had a fracture in the elbow and then they couldn't afford the treatment to do the surgery to put the screws in. And then I said, look, this is not going to be a racing dog, I assume. So why don't you just, you know, let it heal. Don't do anything. Just give it pain control and, you know, let it heal. And this dog might have a little bit crooked leg, but, a, you know, awesome life. And and I was just floored with their answer. They said, well, we didn't want a dog anyway, so let's put it down. So um, I ended up, like, this is the probably only time in my career that I ended up caving in. and And, and I just said, look, like, let's sign her over. If you don't want the pet, uh, we'll do what we can. And we ended up taking her into the hospital. And I was in the ER vet, I ended up fixing the fracture. And I was hoping, so we had about 50 employees, I think, in the hospital, I thought someone would want to adopt her. And when I put her up for adoption, um, 50 people applied, and they said, we want this dog. So I didn't know how to deal with that. And I ended up just keeping the dog. That was my answer. So I ended up with a one kilogram Chihuahua named peanut, uh, which was very interesting to see me, uh, you know, six, six, six foot two guy with a peanut in my pocket, walking around and uh, but but I love the little dog. <laughs> so, um, well, I couldn't call her butch, like, even if I called her butch, like it wouldn't. change things. But that's you know, that's how a lot of us end up and I know that a lot of technicians and other employees in the hospitals and there was tons and tons of pets. Do you think that's why we, we end up with a lot of pets? In the vet hospitals and and has it been an instance in in Danville where where the staff adopted pets through their work
2: oh I definitely think so we um we had a little puppy come through with a wire through her jaw like and down her throat it was a, an emergency situation and um, the owner couldn't afford it so um, one of our vet techs and doctors they you know got together reached out to a rescue and um, got it covered. And so the owner signed the, the puppy over and the tech actually took the puppy home and fostered her and was going to keep her. But they ended up giving her to the rescue, which was in a different state. But we also, you know, we work closely with rescues. I myself have adopted a cat from from rescues um, that have come through the vet as well I think you're just exposed to to the pets all day and, and you can't help it you either you want to save the ones that you know can't be saved and you want to take them in or you you see the puppy the litter of puppies that come through and you want one of those there's no there's no winning
0: well maybe that is the winning <laughs> getting the puppies firsthand uh, from when you see the litter of puppies uh, the uh, the one thing that we saw that was applied uh, in our industry which was which is a very interesting interesting. interesting uh, project. I think it's called Open Door. Uh, It's a non-profit, non-for-profit hospital that basically is aiming to provide access to care. And one of the strategies that they applied is um, actually motivating the clients and and making a really good job at explaining why the preventative care is is of value and especially procedures like let's say dental so for example dental it sometimes could be very expensive to afford it could be you know a couple thousand dollars if there's a lot of extractions and things like that but if you do it preventively it's just like with human you know we need to we're recommended what once or twice a year to be at the dentist and and just do regular checks and and clean up so the same the same thing for the pets Uh, but what they have done and they started offering payment plans so instead of waiting for the care credit need and knowing that you're in an emergency situation and you need that extra credit or scratch pays another one what they've done they're doing proactively saying okay well the dental is let's say regular one six seven hundred bucks and they would say why don't you afford it through going on the payment plan going forward so not wait until it gets so bad that it's an emergency do you think something like that would work in the in a town like denville and uh, where where people might not be able to afford afford if we tried something like that?
2: I think in theory, it's a it's a great idea. Um I I know I've heard stories um, that Danville Family vet had actually done payment plans before and we do have a select group of clients that, you know, if they came in and they said, I really, I just can't afford this today or I need to do a payment plan, can I do it? We would absolutely do it for them because we just have that relationship with them. But when you have all these, these new clients that are coming in and you don't have relationships with them and they want to start a payment plan. I just think most of the time you're not going to see that money. Like there's no way to like, you can, you can treat the pet, you can help them. You can do the preventative care. You can do everything. But at the end, I just don't think it's, you're going to see that return. You're not going to see the money, especially Danville is more of a um, low income area. So they, you know, they already can't afford it. And even if you put them on a payment plan, there's no way to guarantee that money back.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so for um, so for the uh, client education, when when you think about the, the the problem of compassion fatigue and and the the general burnout, what do you think is the message to the clients? And should there be maybe an education of even materials on the front desk and something that you could provide or or have something available like brochures with the facts about? how the uh, the industry is going through this massive burnout problem, do you think that's something that clients would appreciate reading while they're waiting for the appointments, or would that alarm them and kind of turn them away? What do you think the reaction would be?
2: You know I honestly I don't know. I think it it would be you know worth a shot I think having a having something controlled that that we put exactly how you know we feel that the burnout the compassion fatigue what contributes to it how they can help i think we have a lot of clients that they don't know and if they did know they would be in shock i've actually had conversations with clients in the lobby where you know they witnessed a situation or you know something something go down and they've asked questions about it and they're like oh i had no idea i had no idea that you guys had to go through this or that you've been here all day and and they have no idea. So if we give them the resources to to learn, I think that would be great. That the the question is just, will they will they learn it? Will they take it and read it? I don't know. But I think part of the great things that we're doing right now, at Danville family vet with the with the workflow and everything, is that now the customer service reps can have the opportunity to say, hey, let's talk about it. Like I have a second to actually talk to you, and you know we can we can have a conversation about it too.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting idea. It was kind of circling my brain recently is to have you know a couple of brochures It's just about the you know how how veterinarians are going through it and how the difficult the, the day could be uh, for them and you don't know how those people are feeling and and for the most part being an emergency veterinarian I felt um, you know a lot of what not general practice experiences less because nobody ever wants to see an E.R. vet there's never an instance where you see a person they're like oh my god couldn't wait to see you you know so happy that i'm here right now at midnight i was you know watching tv with my dog she vomited and i couldn't wait to go to the vet like that's never the case everybody everybody hates going to the vet in the emergency and then you know that it's potentially going to be most likely a large bill and you had to get dressed and you had to go to the vet and then if it's something serious and you end up You know taking the bone out of their intestine that they fed to their dog but when you end up saving them and two days later they pick up their pet and they they don't like you they pay the bill and they they hope they never will see you again that's really the the destiny of their emergency veterinarian so i think i always thought that that was kind of a part of uh, not appreciative part of work Um, do you think that there's anything that uh, should be a part of the curriculum in the vet schools and preparing veterinarians to this um, life and the reality of it, because as far as I remember, neither in Canadian and definitely not in Ukrainian vet school that I have done, we had uh, anything that's related to sort of the warning what it could, how draining it could be, and how difficult it could be.
2: Um, I'm not familiar with what's already offered um, in the curriculum for vet school and everything, but I do. I honestly think there's not a way to prepare you like until you're living it. There's not. There's not a way like you can you can be told about the situations, about the burnout, about the long hours. You can you can sit in a classroom and learn about it. But then when you're living it, it's totally different. You know, when you're when you're in the clinic and and living it, it's different. I um I didn't know how crazy it was going to be. I wanted to be um, a vet, actually, from when I was a child. And then as I grew up, I was like, absolutely not. I can't deal with the euthanasias. I can't deal with the sadness. I can't deal with the sick pets. I would not be able to do it. You know, I got into it and I realized how rewarding it actually is. So I learned about the the hardships. I I, I went to the vet with my dogs growing up. I saw the different situations, but nothing prepared me for for working in it and and actually being in the room with the euthanasia and then or being in a room that we just saved this sick pet, you know, it's, it's, you just, you're not prepared until you're there.
1: Well, I I think just, just sort of what you're putting out here and, and having open conversations with people about it is, is definitely a major piece. And, you know, I hope that continuing moving forward, obviously we can lean on your insight and your knowledge to be able to, to help make life clearer and transparent and easier for people going forward. So Sarah, we, Again, we we really appreciate having you on the show. This was a fun and different take on a lot of things that we do. um, And it's nice to not just have to talk to Ivan (laughs) all day. So again, I I really appreciate you coming on and we're looking forward to it and um, can't wait to get the chance to come to Danville and meet in person.
2: Oh, absolutely. This was super fun and I really enjoyed it as well. And I'm very excited to meet everybody in person.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at galaxyvets.com.